0: of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com.
1: 10.50 a.m. That we developed an app for all your Android devices. We're talking about your smartphone, your tablets, you name it. You have an Android format. You can take KCAA with you. Everywhere you go, we're talking about our audio stream, our video stream, and even our podcast. Go to kcaaexpress.com. That's kcaaexpress.com. kcaaexpress.com
2: if you're booking a cruise out of Galveston we suggest you add a few days to your vacation and rent a Galveston Island beachfront home our fully furnished homes are equipped with central air, washer dryers, dishwashers cable, wireless internet and unlimited telephone service step off the lower deck of your beachfront vacation home and walk 50 feet to the tideline where you can fish for speckled trout, redfish and whiting, watch the pelicans and they'll show you where to cast your line enjoy horseback riding on the beach, jet skiing, deep sea fishing, dolphin tours, Schlitterbahn Water Park, and the famous Moody Gardens. Tour historical homes, art galleries, and antique shops, and enjoy Galveston's Nightlife with award-winning restaurants and live music, from jazz to rock and roll. Our homes rent for less than hotel rooms on a per-occupant basis. Call 832-452-0528 or visit our website, www.texasbeachfrontvacations.com.
3: This is KCAA.
1: What is this for? What are you anyway? My name's Gary Garber. I used to work for the Howard Stern Show, but now I'm doing my own radio show. Weekday mornings at 8 o'clock right here on KCAA, 1050
4: AM.
5: Exploring science in the sea. Southern flounder that live along the Texas coast move around a bit. They're marine migrants that relocate to find the best living conditions. Defying the expectations of marine biologists Flounders spawn offshore And the juveniles then move into the bays and estuaries Behind the barrier islands The standard view says the young then spend some time In fresh or low salinity water In or around the mouths of rivers, for example After that, they move into saltier waters Where they spend the rest of their lives But researchers at the University of Texas Marine Science Institute Found that that's not always the case They looked at the chemical composition of the otoliths of about 250 fish. An otolith is a small stone-like structure in a fish's head that's used for balance and hearing. It adds a new layer every year with minerals taken from the water, so it's like a flight data recorder. It constantly records information about the fish's environment. In this case, the otoliths revealed that more than half of the fish had spent their entire lives in saltier waters. The researchers say the difference could just be a matter of timing. Whether a group of juvenile flounders swim into the estuaries during a rainy season or a drought season. On the other hand, perhaps the flounder have a wider range of behaviors than previously thought. They may move around to find better temperatures, clearer water, and more food, migrating to find the best living conditions along the Texas coast. This episode of Science in the Sea was made possible by Texas Sea Grant. Science in the Sea is a production of the University of Texas Marine Science Institute at Port Aransas. I'm Holly Brawley.
3: KCAA, where every day is a great day. KCAA, Loma Linda.
6: KCAA Radio now joins the Sunday morning worship services of the Pruitt Baptist Church in Van, Texas, with Pastor David McNary.
7: All right, if you have a Bible with you today, i me invite you to turn to the book of Proverbs, chapter 3. Proverbs, chapter 3. Now we want deal with the subject, the practice of serving God. The practice of serving God. The reason that I believe the subject is important is because somehow... In our culture, we have come to the conclusion that to serve God simply means not to do anything really bad. <laughs> in fact, we have reached that, that place in our society where we say as long as a person is not an evil person or not a murderer or, or, or not a uh, something else, we always describe it in some other way. As long as they're not doing that, they've got to be Christian. Well, let me tell you, tell you something. Not doing bad things doesn't mean you're Christian, okay? You don't come, uh, you don't come into the family of God as a result of not being bad. You come into the family of God as a a result of your faith in Jesus Christ. Folks, I want to tell you something. We're going to talk about, about serving. We're going to talk about, uh, the servant of God. uh, The very word servant involves serving, and serving involves activity. Serving involves action. The little poem says, Shamgar had an ox go. Rahab had a string. Gideon had a trumpet and David had a sling. Samson had a jawbone and Moses had a rod. Dorcas had a needle. All were used of God. Okay. Okay. All were used of God, folks. I want to tell you something. Every person in this place today can be used of God. You can be a servant of God, but serving involves action. Serving involves activity. Okay, I gave you the title a while ago. The practice of serving God. Practice is a is a word that means doing. It requires activity. Not just standing around and waiting. There's a lot of people today who just think that all we've got to do is just stand around and wait for Jesus to come back. Let me tell you something. If you're just standing around and waiting, you're not doing the Lord's will. You say, well, wait a minute, preacher. I've already been saved. I've already accepted Christ. Yeah, but what about your family members? What about your neighbors? What about your friends? Other people that you know? Don't they deserve an opportunity to go to heaven with you? Folks, even your enemies deserve the opportunity because Jesus died on the cross for their sins also. Now, I want you to look with me today uh, at Proverbs chapter 3. We're going to read verses 1 through 10. It gives us some very practical instruction. Now, I think it's important for us to see there is instruction with promise. And sometimes that's important to us. Well, preacher, what am I going to get out of this? We like to ask. Well, let me tell you something right here in Proverbs chapter three, beginning in these verses, he's going to tell you what you're going to get out of it. I mean, he's just going to make it plain. He's going to make it clear. You do what you do what's instructed here, and he says he says I'll tell you what I'll do. You do something, I'll do something. Now. So we want to understand that this is for believers in Christ. And we want to listen to what he's saying. We want to understand what he's telling us to do. Uh, Proverbs 3.1. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. Let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee, bind them about thy neck, write them upon the table of thine heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes, fear the Lord, and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the firstfruits of all thine increase. So shall shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Okay, now I want you to notice what he said. We actually have five different things. one, One comes about every two verses, so five different things we want to talk about. The first thing I want to talk about, that he, the first instruction he gives us, is for wisdom. He instructs us to gain wisdom. Now, granted that he doesn't actually even use the word wisdom, but in that first verse, he says, Forget not my law, but let thine heart keep wisdom. My commandments. Now, if you look over into chapter 2 in verse 1 and 2, you discover that that's the same thing he's saying only over here. He uses that word wisdom, my son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart. Uh, To understanding. So he's talking there about wisdom. Now over in chapter 4. Notice verse 5 through 7. He says get wisdom. Get understanding. Forget it not. Neither decline from the words of my mouth. That's where wisdom comes from. Forsake her not and she shall preserve thee. Forsake what? Forsake wisdom. Do not forsake wisdom. And she shall preserve thee. Love her and she shall keep thee. Wisdom. Is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. So he's talking about the importance, the importance of wisdom in our lives. Over in the book of First Kings, he talks about it also in chapter three. Uh, look, listen to first verse, verse five. It says in Gideon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, "Ask what I shall give thee." God appeared to Solomon and he said, what is it that you want? What is it that you desire most? Now, folks, I think we would be wise to listen to Solomon's answer as to what he said. He said, here's what's most important to me. In verse 9, Solomon said, give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people that I may discern between good and bad, or who is able to judge this thy so great a people. And the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing, and God said unto him, Because thou hast asked this thing, and hast not asked for thyself long life, neither hast asked for riches for thyself, nor hast asked the life of thine enemies, but hast asked for thyself understanding to discern Judgment. Behold, I have done according to thy words. Lo, I have given thee a wise and understanding heart. Listen, God bless Solomon because Solomon was more interested in wisdom. He was a judge over the people. He had to he had that responsibility. And he wanted to do it right. He didn't want to do the popular thing. He didn't want to do the thing that always pleased everybody. He wanted to do what God said to do. Now folks, I want to tell you something. If you'll seek wisdom, you'll discover what God wants you, what God wants you to do. But listen, true wisdom comes only from God. it's not, it's not, to, be, uh, it's not to be misinterpreted by, by the word knowledge. You can get knowledge anywhere, but you can only get wisdom from God. True wisdom comes from God. Wisdom there in chapter uh, in, in chapter 2 is the Hebrew word, chokmah, and it means to act wisely. Now, I think that's interesting that that's what that word means. We read the word wisdom, but that word literally means to act wisely. Now, when we say act, what does that mean? means to participate. It means to do something. It's just like faith. A lot of people say, well, you know, faith took hold of me. No, faith didn't take hold of you. Faith is an active word. It's what we do. What about love? Love is something you feel. No, not love. Love is what you do. Love is an action. Love is an activity. And he says to act wisely. Folks, wisdom is the practice of knowing and doing The will of God. He says, lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him. We have to acknowledge God in order to gain wisdom. But wisdom is practical. Wisdom is not just theoretical. It's not just idealistic. It is a practical thing that brings about reality and truth and the service of God in our lives so the first thing he encourages encourages us is to is towards wisdom now I want you to notice what he said he said forget not my law but let thine heart keep my commandments that's wisdom and he says here's what I'll do for length of days and long life in peace shall they add to thee you want to live a long time see wisdom you want to live longer than you already have? Be wise and wisdom, wisdom comes from the Lord. The second thing that I want you to notice here that he talks about is love. It's love. There's a word that's translated mercy in the King James Bible and some other translations. It's translated love. It's the Hebrew word, chesed. Chesed. They pronounce those C-H words really funny, okay? Uh, uh, the Jewish people. I, I learned that from Dr. Al Reichman. So it's it's the word chesed. And, and it's probably best translated in the English to the English word. Now listen to this. Loving kindness. Now what does kindness require? It requires action. See? loving kindness it's loving kindness it's love that's demonstrated it's it's true love in action and the second word that we see is the word truth in another translation translated faithfulness faithfulness the hebrew word is emet and it means stability it means stability faithfulness it means one who is Who is true and God wants us to be true to him. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. He says, uh, trust, trust in the Lord, trust in the Lord. So we need to understand that he is calling upon us. He is calling upon us to demonstrate. Uh, love uh, faithfully now this word is used frequently in the old testament to speak of the faithfulness of god so that's what he's asking for he's asking for you to be true like he is true now don't raise your hand but who here could actually say that you're true like god is true Okay, I'll give you that once in a while. Once in a while, once in a while, we stumble upon something that happens in our lives that we are able to stand.
0: It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at JoinMIDI.com. That's JoinMIDI.com. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission?
7: Uh, truthfully and faithfully with the Lord. You see, to be faithful is to be true. Now, I I, I want you to notice uh, how that first word, love, and that second word, faithfulness, go together. They're inseparable. When you really love someone, you are faithful to them. Isn't that true? You are true to them. You are faithful to them. You, you, Those words are inseparable. They have to go. They have to go together. Now, notice what he says. He said, so shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of, excuse me, let not mercy, <clears throat> excuse me, verse 3, let not mercy and truth forsake thee, bind them about thy neck, write them upon the tables of thine heart. And he said, if you do that, you'll find favor and good understanding in the sight of God. And what else? And man. And man. You see, it'll be the kind of thing that causes people to respect you because you are concerned and compassionate and care about them. It's called loving kindness. Number three. Number three is faith. Notice <clears throat> beginning in verse five. He says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. Trust in the Lord. To have trust means to have. Confidence. Bata means to feel safe and secure. It it expresses faith, a sense of well being, which results from knowing that there is no fine print to be overlooked. Amen. Listen, when you put your faith in God, there's not any fine print. I went to the grocery store this last week and I walked in. The Drink machine over in the fellowship hall I was almost out of drinks, and so I needed I needed some Pepsi colas and I also needed some Mountain Dews for for the children just before they go home and go to bed. And I needed some, and I needed some Dr. Pepper. Well I opened that flyer, and that flyer said four 12 packs for $13. So I went in and got four Dr. Peppers and I got three Pepsi's. And, and I got one Mountain Dew because if I'd bought another it'd been more expensive, so I only bought eight. And I checked out and I paid the lady and I went outside and put them in my truck and I thought, she charged me too much money. So I took my basket back in, got an old motive. I took my basket back in and as I took my basket in, one of the managers was standing there and I said, hey, I thought the Dr. Peppers were supposed to be Four for $13. He said, well, let me see. He reached down and he picked up the flyer and he looked at it and he said, you're right. They are. Let me see your receipt. I handed him my receipt. He took it and he looked at it and he said, oh, look here. You already bought four Pepsi products right here. And I said, okay, there's four Dr. Peppers up here. And he opened the flyer up and he said, see right here? One. Per purchase. (laughs) Up here, four for $13 was about that big. Down here, I couldn't even read it because I didn't have my glasses. Okay? Now, just to show you the kind of people we have in town, he said, usually when you come in and do that, what we do is we make it two separate transactions. I said, well, that's neat. He said, come with me. He went and changed it all out, refunded it, all that stuff. He went to a lot of trouble. I said, look, man, you don't have to do that. I just didn't see the fine print. Folks, you don't have to look for the fine print with God unless your Bible is about that big, okay? Then it's all in fine print. You have to read it anyway. Folks, God is completely transparent with us. He is completely trustworthy. He's revealed to us through time and through history who he is and the way he deals with people. And the final chapter is already written so you can know exactly where you stand always with him. He will never fail. Folks, he will never fail to keep his word. He won't fail to keep his word. He's talking about trust. He's talking about confidence. He's talking about a, a faith that is sure that, that what God has begun in me, He will complete. Paul Paul said it this way. He said, I know. <laughs> you hear me read this verse a lot. I love it. I know whom I have believed and am persuaded. That means you can't change my mind and am persuaded of what that he is able to keep not me if it was up to me it'd been all over a long time ago but he is able to keep that which i've committed unto him against that day you see you commit your heart you commit your life unto jesus christ through faith and he's able to keep you He's able to keep you. No one can steal you away. Nobody can take you away. There's not anything you can do to keep it from happening. He is able to keep you unto or against that day. Have faith. Trust him. He is able in all ways. Acknowledge him. And he uh, shall direct thy paths. That's what it says in verse 6. Now I said that there is instruction with promise. Okay? Instruction with promise. First of all, he'll give you a long life and peace. He'll add that to you. You'll find favor with him and good understanding in the sight of of God and man. And then in verse 6 it says, he shall direct thy paths. Listen, folks. We don't know how uh, to go the way we're supposed to go without him. He has to direct our paths. He has to give us instruction. He has to reveal to us the way. Number four. Reverence. Number four is the word reverence. Um, don't know too much. We don't know too much about reverence anymore. There's uh, not not much that's held in uh, held in reverence in in our culture anymore. But notice what he says, verse seven: Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. Now, if you fear the Lord, you'll depart from evil. If you fear the Lord, knowing that he is a just God, but he is also a God who hates sin. If you fear the Lord, if you have reverence for God, if you stand in awe of him, it will help you. It will help you when it comes to departing, to departing from evil. Now, folks, I want to tell you something. Reverence for God and pride cannot be found in the same place at the same time. Rather, fear and humility walk hand in hand. Humility, the opposite of pride, the opposite of arrogance. Listen, you can't be arrogant in the presence of God and think that you're a born-again person. You have to humble yourself before the Lord. You have to say, I can't do this. Only God can do this and acknowledge Him. When speaking of Jesus, John the Baptist said, He must increase but I must decrease. He that cometh from above is above all. He that is of the earth is earthly and speaketh of the earth. He that cometh from heaven is above all. He's talking about Jesus. He's above all. He must increase. My responsibility is to, is to make him increase, to, to take away from me You see, I'm I'm not what's important. He is what's important. I can't save you. He can save you. He can transform your life. He can guide you and lead you and encourage you along the way. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. It's going to cause you to understand that He is the one. Can, <clears throat> excuse me, who can provide help uh, for you and encouragement for you? And then the fifth one. I think it's interesting that this is included. By the way, the fifth one is stewardship. Stewardship. He tells us to be a good steward. He said, "Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase." He says honor the Lord with your substance. Why is that? Why is that? Why is it that God wants us to honor him with with our substance? Well, it's because it's not ours. It's his. See, he made everything. He made everybody. He is the owner, creator and owner of everything that exists. It all belongs to him. And we are to honor the lord with our substance and with the first fruits the first fruits you know what that means before taxes (laughs) the first fruits we're to honor the lord just as seeking desiring obtaining true wisdom adds days to one's life giving of the first fruits brings your earthly benefits so shall thy barns be filled. If you'll honor the Lord with your substance, he said, So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Well, I hope that doesn't happen around here about the new wine stuff, uh, except, that, except that if you understand a little bit about that word wine, it's the, it's, it talks about the fruit of the wine. It, it, may not even be, uh, it may not even be fermented. It may be like you buy down here at the store. No, not that. Welches. <laughs> Welches. It could be the same thing. You see, it's it's what comes. It's the juice that comes from the grapes. Now, if you don't take care of it, certainly it's going to spoil and become wine. Amen. You know what wine is? Spoiled grape juice. Come on. Is that not true? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> I already did. Now listen to what the prophet, <clears throat> listen to what the prophet Malachi said. Let me see if I can find it. Here. About stewardship. The prophet Malachi in chapter 3, in verse 10, says, Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house and prove me now here with. Okay? Hear that. He said, Bring it to me and prove me. He said, Bring it to me and put me to the test. That's what God says. Put me to the test. He says, See if I will not open to you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Now I know some of you are already thinking, well wait in the book of Malachi, that's the last book of the Old Testament. So that's Old Testament teaching that doesn't pertain to us. Okay. Luke chapter 6. Uh, listen to verse 38. Jesus says give and it shall be given unto you good measure pressed down and shaken together and running over shall men give into your bosom for with the same measure that ye meet with all it shall be measured to you again God says if you'll give I'll give back I will bless you in ways that you cannot even imagine. Now I want to share a little testimony with you. Maybe I had time. I want to share a little testimony with you. Many years ago, whenever Pat and I were newlyweds, and by the way, we've been married 45 years now. So when we were newlyweds, we had a preacher friend who was pastoring a church where we had attended who had a heart attack. Uh, it was a bad one. They took him to the hospital. And, and, uh, and, and all of the people gathered and they prayed and they prayed for brother Smith. He, he was having a hard time. At one point the doctor came out and said, I'm sorry. We've worked with him. We've done everything we can. I'm sorry. He's gone. (laughs) Well, now listen, I'll tell you what that does to believers. It caused believers to get out on their knees and pray harder. The doctor left the room. He went back in there and in just a few minutes, he came back and said, he's alive, (laughs) He's alive now. He had died. His heart had quit beating. His heart had quit working. But he was alive. They hadn't done anything else to him. He just came back to life. Okay. Well, Pat and I, you were you know how you are when you're newlyweds. Don't have anything. Okay. But but Brother Smith didn't have any insurance, and there was his wife. And so I, Pat and I talked about it, and I said, look. We need to try to do something. I said I got twenty five dollars in my wallet. I'm going to give it to her, and and we'll just ask God to bless it. Well, let me tell you something. I gave her that money. I stand there with me, and she looked at me and she said, "I'm I'm praying that God will restore this to you fourfold, fourfold." And I said, "Well, thank you. You know, oh, you have a little faith. Well, thank you." In the next couple of weeks, from sources totally unexpected, didn't have to work for it, didn't have to go out and earn it or anything like that, God gave us $125. Folks, that was a lot of money back then. You know, the first church I took, my paycheck was $150 a week, okay? That was a lot of money back then. It was very helpful to us. He gave us back $125, and my math is better than that. Now, wait a minute. She said, restore it to me fourfold. That would be $100. Well, you see, he gave us back our 25 to start with. That's $125. Folks, I want to tell you something. God is amazing. And God, he always blesses us way more than whatever we do for somebody else. He is amazing. And he is, he is willing to to take our lives and use us in an amazing way. He's willing to give us gifts so that we might share, so that we might share with our church and with others. Folks, I want to tell you something. The money that we give to the house of the Lord is used for the purpose of bringing people to Jesus Christ. That's what it's all for. That's what it's all about. Well, I want to wrap this up and I want to tell you a story. It's about a Marine corporal. His name was Jeffrey Lee Nashton, and he was seriously wounded in the terrorist attack on the Marine barracks in Beirut. He was in a hospital in Frankfurt, Germany for a long time. There were so many tubes that you couldn't even hardly tell where he was or recognize him. But
0: It's true that some things change as we get older, but if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, they're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com.
4: With the Lucky Lands Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
7: When he was he was there and he was visited by Marine Corps Commandant Paul Kelly. Whenever Paul Kelly came in, he requested a pen and a piece of paper and he wrote only two words simplify. He wrote only two words, simplify. It's the Marine Corps motto which means forever faithful. Forever faithful. Folks, we serve Almighty God, the creator of everything that exists, the one and only. And we need to somehow learn how to be forever faithful. He is forever faithful to us. We need to be forever faithful in our service to Him. Father God, thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, for these words that we read and and understand from the book of Proverbs, the words of Solomon, Father who you instructed to write. And dear Lord, we thank you that, that we're encouraged Father to be to be uh, wise, to gain wisdom, father to, to show love and, and faith and, and be faithful uh, in the stewardship of Lord the things that you've given us to oversee. And God we pray that you will help us to learn how to be faithful to you every day. Father, we know that faithfulness is only the product of love. and So help us to love you in such a way that we demonstrate to our culture, to our world, to our society. Help us to live before them so that they might see and understand that Jesus is truly in control of our lives. Now, Father, speak to our hearts today. I don't know how it is, Lord. You might have spoken to the people who are here. But, dear Father, I pray that we might be encouraged. And, Father, that we might be instructed and, Father, that we might be directed to do the will of the Lord. But, Father, we also pray for any person who's here who has not yet ever accepted Christ as personal Lord and Savior. Father, help them to realize today that it's something which happens that, that happens to us, something that we do at a point in time. Because, Father, we have to make that decision to follow Jesus and to receive the gift of God, the gift of eternal life. Now, Father, speak to our hearts today. And if there are those who have never accepted Christ, I pray you'll give them the courage today to come and to take their stand with Jesus, believe on Him, and receive that gift. Father, just speak to our hearts. Help us today to have the courage to make the commitments that you're calling on us to make that it might be done in the praise and the glory of Almighty God. And I pray that in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to have a time of invitation as we sing in a moment. God, speaking to your heart today, you and he are the only ones who know how he's spoken to you. If he's spoken to you today, my prayer is that you might have heard him. You have to have spiritual ears to hear what the Spirit says. That you might have heard him and that you might take courage of the Lord to respond to his will for your personal lives.
6: You're listening to the Sunday morning worship services of the Pruitt Baptist Church in Van, Texas, with Pastor David McNary.
7: Once again, I failed to mention a while ago, we've been praying for some time for Virgil Hawkins, and Virgil Hawkins passed away Thursday morning at 844 in the morning. Uh, went to be with the Lord. We don't uh, know any details about a memorial services yet. Have, you haven't heard anything, have you, Stacy? Okay, so we don't know anything yet. They will have a memorial service uh, at some point, and I'm sure it'll be held at Grace Bible Fellowship in Canton. That was his church. So I'll be sure and pray for his family in their time of loss. Okay. Turn in your Bibles with me, if you will, to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 7 and 8. First Peter, well, we're going to read verse 6, part of verse 6 too. But uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, uh, we'll read verse 6 through. Eight in just a moment. Uh, since we're going back in time, Brother Terry took us back to 1950. Um, I was born in 49. I don't remember about much about 1950. It's probably best. <laughs> but back in time, at one point, uh, back in the 70s, I think it was in the 70s, uh, there was a statement that was made and. And everybody loved it and appreciated it. And it went like this, God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. Well, I was in college at that time around all of these intellectual theologian types, you know. And and some of those guys got together and they dissected that phrase. And they said, no, 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 that's not correct. It's okay, it's a good statement, but it's not totally correct. And they came up with this. God settled. Uh, God said it, and that settles it, whether anybody believes it or not. Okay, and that is so true. When God says it, it's the truth, and you can't change it with your disbelief. Okay, you can't. You can't change it uh, from happening with your disbelief. A few years ago, about thirteen of them or so, uh, our daughter was uh, Krista was going. And y'all don't tell her I told this story, okay? She was going to the doctor for a pre-op to have her gallbladder taken out. And uh, she went to the doctor, and the doctor said, Well, we'll have to postpone this, this uh, gallbladder surgery. And she said, No. Why? And he said, Because you're pregnant. Y'all remember uh, Walker, right? And yeah, nobody forgets Walker if you ever met him. Um, because you're pregnant. And she said, No, I'm not. And he said, yes, you are. And she said, I'm a nurse, and I'm not. Now, for two weeks, she didn't tell anybody, okay? She didn't tell anybody. She thought that if she didn't tell anybody, that it wouldn't be true. She was in disbelief. But you know what? We still have Walker. It didn't change it one iota. And that's true in spiritual matters also doesn't matter if you believe it or not it's still the truth this book is god's word it's the truth you can stand upon it you can believe it you don't don't walk in unbelief or disbelief just take it all for what it says and apply it allow god's spirit to apply it in your life and live and live by it all right first peter Uh, Chapter 2, listen, beginning in verse 6. He says, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that, listen, he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you therefore which believe, he is precious. But unto them which be disobedient, The stone which the builders disallowed, the same as made the head of the corner. He said doesn't matter if they're disobedient or not, it's still true. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. The New American Standard Bible there says, and... To this doom they also were appointed. I want to speak to you today on the subject of the doom of disobedience. The doom of disobedience. There's a song that we sing. It says, uh, this verse says for us, for those who are obedient to the gospel, he is precious. So precious is Jesus, my Savior, my King, his Praise all the day long with rapture. I sing to him in my weakness for strength. I can cling, for he is so precious, for he is so precious to me. Listen, I praise him because he appointed a place where someday through faith in his wonderful grace I know I shall see him, shall look on his face, for he is so precious to me. Chorus goes. For he is so precious to me. You can't say that too many times. For he is so precious to me. Tis heaven below, my redeemer to know. Do you know him? (laughs) I'm not not talking about knowing about him. I'm talking about a personal relationship. Do you know him? He says, uh, by his grace, through faith, in his wonderful grace, I know I shall see him, shall look on his face, for he is so precious to me. Tis heaven below my redeemer to know. For he is so precious to me. So, so for those who are believing in him. Verse 6. He said he's a chief cornerstone. Elect precious. And he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. For those who believe he is precious. But for those who are disobedient. And, and, and what he's talking about is disobedience to the gospel. Disobedience to the gospel. Did you ever stop to think about the fact that if you don't believe what God says in his word, that you're calling God a liar? He tells us it's his word. okay? It's God's word. And if you don't believe it, you're saying, God, you're wrong. I don't think there's very many of us want to stand before God. You wouldn't want to be up on the mountain with old Moses the other day and and whenever the mountain was on a smoke and there was thunderings and earthquakes and all of that kind of stuff. You wouldn't want to be in there and said, God, I'm sorry, but you missed it, dude. That word doesn't even sound right in church, does it? (laughs) Kind of like chasing women, Brother Terry. For those who are disobedient, they are unbelieving, not believing what the gospel has to say. But the fact that they don't believe doesn't change the fact that he is he is made the head of the corner. He's the headstone of the corner. He is the... Lord of lords and the king of kings. He is the lamb which taketh away the sins of the world. He is the shepherd of the sheep and the gate to the sheepfold. And he is the way, the truth, and the life. The only one, by the way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. So you can't change the facts just because you're not willing to believe uh, in those facts and in those realities. The subject, the doom of disobedience. I want you to notice the effect that the Word of God and that Jesus Christ has on those who are disobedient to the gospel, who are unbelieving of the gospel. First of all, he becomes, Jesus becomes for them, a stone of stumbling. Now, he's been set up as the precious headstone of the corner. And for those with whom he is disallowed, he becomes a stumbling block. I see it all the time. Believers, unbelievers hate to hear the name of Jesus. They hate to hear the name of Jesus. I once heard a, an evangelist talking about, about uh, going to, back in the 70s. It was a big thing for, uh, for people to go into bars and try to witness to people while they were drinking. Now, I think that uh, we've, we've learned something from that. Uh, and then what we've learned from that is what it says over in Psalms chapter one, verse one and two, that we're not to go where sinners do their sinning. That's what it tells us. But, you know, they were zealous. They were, they thought it was a good thing to do. And so I heard the story of this evangelist and he went into this bar and he was telling people about Jesus. He's trying to trying to help them understand that they needed to quit their drinking and quit being involved in the things where they were involved in and accept Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and Lord. And this evangelist said on this particular occasion, one man turned around and slammed him up against the wall and took a knife and stuck it right here and held it there. And he said, if you speak the name of Jesus one more time, I'm going to slit your throat from ear to ear. Okay, sir, I'm sorry. (laughs) Let me go. That wasn't what the evangelist did. He said, sir, if you don't get that knife out of my throat, I'm going to call on Jesus and ask him to strike you dead where you stand. You know what? The guy had enough sense to know that God can do that. He took the knife, put it in his pocket, and left. Listen, that's the power of God. That's the one we're serving, okay? But he is disallowed. People don't want to hear you call the name of Jesus because at the name of Jesus, conviction comes in a person's life. Listen, Christianity is the religion of faith in Jesus Christ. Faith in Jesus Christ. But the more independent and self-sufficient a person becomes, the more difficult it is for that person to recognize that they have a need have a need of Jesus Christ. You see, we don't we we have uh, we have this banner that we share. Uh, uh, unbelieving unbelieving people are 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 proud creatures, and their banner reads, "I'll do it my way," or their banner reads, "I'm a self-made man," or "I I got it by the sweat of my brow." <laughs> you know, I, I I always loved this one. I had a guy that I was talking to one time, and he said, "Me and God got a deal worked out." and and you know that's all right as long as your deal that you have worked out with God is on his terms and not yours you see we want to bring God to us we don't want to go to God the truth is that the more you are on your own the more that you do it by yourself the less likely you are to ever call upon the name of the Lord Jesus and be born into the family into the family of God that's the reason i think that Jesus said a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Matthew chapter 19, verse 23 and verse 24. What is he saying? That he doesn't like rich people? No, not at all. That's not what he's saying at all. What he's saying is that oftentimes when a person becomes wealthy, they become self-dependent. I don't need anybody else. Listen, you always need somebody else. First of all, you need Jesus because the Bible says you can't save yourself. And I don't care how much money you have, you can't buy your way into heaven. It's an impossibility because that's not God's way and we have to come by God's way. Paul wrote, In 2 Corinthians 6, 2, behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. So when is it that a person needs to be saved? Right now. Right now. And just in case you're here today and you've not ever accepted Christ, and I've just told you that now is the accepted time, then would you bow your head, every one of you? And if you are here today and you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, would you call upon him right now? Dear Lord, please forgive me for all my sins and dear God, please come into my heart and save me now because now is the accepted time. Now certainly you can wait till the invitation, but please don't leave this place today without being sure that you're a child of God through faith in the name of Jesus Christ. First of all, he's a stone of stumbling. Secondly, he's a rock of offense for those for those who are are disobedient to the gospel, he's a rock of offense. You ever notice when you use the name of Jesus in a spiritual way? And I have to say that now because uh, so oftentimes people use Jesus as a slang word. Did you notice that? Whew, boy, just I, I'm just waiting for fire to fall when they do that. But but you use Jesus, the name of Jesus, in a spiritual way in a public place, you'll discover that you'll you may have the room you may have the room to yourself a few years ago we had a uh, had a um, uh, area wide revival meeting where where all of the churches uh, what is that word that i'm looking for all of the churches were having revivals in their own church all at the same time and we were having a breakfast i forget what the word is i'll think of it in a minute probably be after i get home but i'll think of it in a minute it was simultaneous revivals that's what it was you should have told me that brother <laughs> Simultaneous revivals. We were having a revival and another church was having a revival. We, and we all got together with the evangelists and had breakfast one morning. And they took us in. We had called a place, called ahead to ask the people, said, It'd be all right. We want to come. Do you have a room? Because you got a bunch of preachers and evangelists and song leaders together in one room. It's going to get noisy, you know? So we were all together. We were all together in this room. Well, they seated some other people in there. There were some others coming in there. We were talking about the Lord. We were praying and had a song or two together, you know we were just we were just having a good time we were just having a good time in the Lord sharing what God was doing and all of those kinds of things and finally, we turned and looked, and those people they weren't there anymore. Waiter, come here, can you seat us somewhere else away from these weirdos? Hey, listen, if you're a weirdo for Jesus, it's all right, okay it's all right we need to we need to let people know that we're a child of god there's some quote unquote christians and many others today who are offended because they believe that the only place we should talk about jesus is at church can't talk about him at school can't talk about him in the courtroom can't talk about him in congress you know they want it they want they don't want god and they don't want jesus in any of those places you know there's they uh there's uh, a lot of these uh a lot of these things where you go and you Get you. You're invited to pray, and you know sometimes a preacher will be called and he'll be invited to pray at, at at Congress. I'm surprised they still are able to do that, or down to state capital to come and to come and to pray. And and so much of the time now, they they say, okay, preacher, we want you to come do this. Just write out your prayer and send it to us for approval. You know what approval means. Not in Jesus' name. You can't pray in Jesus' name and you can't mention the name of God because it might offend someone. Well, let me tell you something. If you're offended by the name of God, go live somewhere else where they don't like God. Oh, where'd that come from? Listen, He's a rock of offense. But for every believer, he is, he is precious. You know, people are offended today by Jesus. They say, well, who in the world would want to uh, know anything about somebody that died a long time ago and you know, I mean, especially a guy that died on a cross, he, he had a trial, you know, it was a mock trial, but he had a, he had a trial, and they, and they convicted him of being the most loving person that they have ever met in all of their life, under, not understanding, and so they put him on a cross, and they killed him. What a shame, you know, what a reproach. Only the worst of criminals were crucified, and uh, he, was hung, he was hung on a cross. But for those of us, listen, for those of us who know Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior, that cross is precious. To the old rugged cross I will ever be true. You sing this song. It's shame and reproach, gladly bear. Then he'll call me some day to my home far away where his glory forever I'll share. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross. I'm not I'm not gonna be offended by it. Till my trophies at last I lay down, I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. One other aspect to the doom of disobedience, and that is the sentence, the sentence of separation. The sentence of separation. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word being disobedient, whereunto, or, and to this doom also they were appointed. A sentence of separation. You see, the final doom of your disbelief is eternal separation from God. It's eternal separation from anything and everything that's good. It's separation from anything that's beautiful and valuable and worthwhile. It's eternal separation from all of your friends and all of your family and all of your neighbors and everything that you consider to be good and valuable and worthwhile in your life. It's a separation from anything and everything That is good. The scripture says there's an unrighteous. No, not one for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God and the wages of sin is death. Romans chapter 3, 10, 23 and 6, 23. Because of our sinful nature, every earthborn human, every person who's ever been born upon the face of the earth has been doomed. We've been doomed as a result of that. But he tells us, and, and by the way, I want you to know this. You don't have to be hateful or evil. Uh, you don't have to commit murder or adultery or, or uh, any of those horrible, horrible sins. You know, we classify sins in, in our day and in our age. We classify those sins. You don't have to do any of that. All you have to do is just not believe in the name of the only begotten Son of God. It's the doom of disobedience. Being disobedient to the gospel. God has given you the gospel. He offered His Son a sacrifice for you. He shares Him with you. And He gives to you eternal life. It's there. It's a gift. He's holding it out to you, and all you have to do is believe in Him, and you receive that gift of eternal life. That separation is gone when that happens. You become His child, and one day you'll depart this earth, and you'll go to live with Him, go to live with Him forever and ever and ever. I want you to listen to these verses over in Revelation chapter 20. I'm going to begin in verse 11. John wrote these words from his vision. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and heavens fled away. And there was found no place for them. That means there was no place for them to hide. And I saw the dead, those who had never received Christ, that's the dead. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened and another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged out of those things written in the books, not the book of life. Their name's not in the book of life. They were judged every man uh, according according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead, those who never trusted Christ, which were in it. And death and hell, that is is the grave, gave up uh, the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. Then verse 14, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire, this is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. That's the doom of disobedience. Don't disobey the gospel. Don't turn your back on a loving God who did all that he could do to make it as simple as possible for you to wind up in heaven with him Forever and ever and ever. Amen. Father, thank you for the Word of God. and Thank you, Lord, that it's always dependable. Thank you, Father, that we don't have to figure it out. You wrote it down for us. And thank you, Lord, that you made the gospel so simple that even a little child can hear, understand, and believe. Now, Father, speak to our hearts today. Father, if there's one person here today who is standing under the doom of disobedience without faith, I pray that today would be the day that they would come to understand by the power of your Spirit revealed to them. Father, make them uncomfortable today so that, Father, they might be willing to turn loose of their past life, turn loose of their sin, and come to Jesus today. Oh, God, speak to our hearts right now. Challenge us as believers to be more like Jesus so that we might share him in a positive way with others. But most of all today, Father, save those who are lost, those who are disobedient and unbelieving. Draw them to yourself in faith. And I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
6: You've been listening to the Sunday morning worship services of the Pruitt Baptist Church in Van, Texas, with Pastor David McNary. A podcast of this service is available on demand at the KCAA website at www.kcaaradio.com. To listen to this service at any time, go to the KCAA Sunday schedule and click the podcast link under the image of Pastor McNary. The Pruitt Baptist Church is located at 9908 State Highway 110 in Van, Texas. The Sunday worship schedule includes Bible study at 9.45 a.m., morning worship at 11 a.m., and evening worship at 6 p.m. For more information about the Pruitt Baptist Church, visit their website at www.pruittbaptistchurch.com or call 903-963-7473.
3: The station that leaves no listener behind. This is 1050 a.m., serving Riverside, San Bernardino, KCAA, Loma Linda. Chocolate, red velvet, or how about something exactly?
4: Here's a look at the community calendar. I'm Di Rice. Inland Pacific Ballet will be performing at four different theaters across the Southland. There will be ten opportunities to see Beauty and the Beast, so make sure you catch one of these breathtaking performances. Shows will begin April 25th and run through May 16th. Performances will be held in Claremont, Rancho Cucamonga, and Riverside. Find your show and pick your seats for Beauty and the Beast at IPBallet.org. Group discounts are available, and that is a look at the KCAA.
1: and dryer coverage just call 1-800-643-9406 that's 1-800-643-9406 again 1-800-643-9406 call now If you have a broken window or rock chip on your vehicle that needs repair give us a call at hm auto glass 951-858-5190 HM Auto Glass is your locally owned and operated auto glass specialist, offering low-cost and high-quality auto glass repair and replacement. We also work with all major insurance companies and offer free mobile service. So call us, 951-858-5190. That number again is 951-858-5190. There's a man named Dr. Wallach who is anything but your typical doctor. Both a veterinarian and naturopathic physician, Doc asks. Why does the United States spend more money on health care by far and still rank 50th in health and longevity worldwide? He believes that people should empower themselves with a basic understanding of nutrition, taking charge of their life and attain optimal health and longevity through nutrition, not by toxic prescription drugs leading to side effects. This is clearly a deadly recipe. The good news is Doc Wallach's message is resonating with an increasing number of Americans who are waking up to all the big government and big farm manipulation of our healthcare system. I like what Doc Wallach is saying and doing to enlighten people about healthcare. Well said, Alex. Join the movement today. To purchase Youngevity products, go to www.kcaaradio.com. Click on the Buy Yongevity image or call toll-free 855-909-3047. That's 855-909-3047. Hi, this is Steve Sanchez, and you hear me every weekend on my show talk about the importance of a financial plan, planning for your retirement, planning for your children's college education fund. Unfortunately, most people don't realize that they need to set up a foundation before any good financial plan can come into place. That's where life insurance comes in. Now, most people think life insurance is just an expense, but it's not. It can be a way of life, a standard of living when someone, the breadwinner, is literally removed out of the picture because of a premature death. Look, I believe in it. I've got life insurance for my family, and I want you to find out how easy it is to get life insurance and even qualify through some new non-medical life insurance policies. Look, my friends at eFinancial can help you do this. They're standing by to give you your free life insurance quote today. Call 866-807-9961. 866-807-9961 for your free life insurance quote today, and don't forget to tell them Steve sent you.
6: What have I learned so far? I've learned that there is no one path that's right for everyone. I've learned that without my high school diploma, I could only do so much. My options were limited. I found a free personalized learning program with Learn for Life that has a flexible schedule so I could keep my job while earning my high school diploma. I found a new career training opportunity that would jumpstart my future. What have I learned so far? I've learned that I can change my life. Are you
1: 14 to 19 years old and looking for a free high school diploma program with flexible meeting
7: times? This program allows you to keep your job or important family responsibilities while earning your high school diploma. If you've fallen behind on credits or dropped out of school completely, get back on track with free tutoring, a caring faculty, and one-on-one attention. For more information on how to reach your graduation goal, visit learnforlife.org. That's
1: L-E-A-R-N, the number four, L-I-F-E dot O-R-G.